Thank you very much. I appreciate the word of the Lord and song, and thank you for singing, Brother Kai, Jireen. Brother Todd, thank you for your children's message. It really goes along with what I want to try to say in a part. I'll try to show you that in a few minutes, but thank you so much. I surrender all is really a testimony of how free we really are. I know it's sort of a paradox. We would think in our human minds that to surrender would be in some sort of bondage. But it's just the opposite. So much of the life in Christ is so different than our natural thoughts. God says in his word in Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. For he says, my thoughts are as high above yours as the heaven is from the earth. Even though he sits high, he says also in Isaiah, God looks low. He looks for those that are surrendering to him. He says that he looketh for a man that trembleth. At his word. I surrender all. Probably the toughest that we have to do is surrender our all. Submission in this world today is not a very popular subject. But by the blessings of Christ, if we're going to be free indeed, we're going to have to learn what it means to surrender to Jesus. For Jesus set the example himself when he was made a little lower than the angels to take on human flesh like us and to die a death on the cross so that sinners like us would not be lost. Though he was the king of glory, who came directly from heaven, the only begotten son of God, he surrendered all. His very last words on the cross before he gave up his spirit to God was, into thy hands, Father, I commend my spirit. I pray that our lives would be a, a a theme of surrendering all to God. But for some reason, we, we get about halfway there and there's a little bit of me that we don't want to give up. It's hard, as it is. But I pray that God would help us this day as we think about what it means to surrender to God. Do you really want to be free? That's the question. The freest people in the world are the people that are freest from the world. Won't you turn with me to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20? I'm just going to use one verse. 
today and ask God to help us do the rest as we embrace His holy word. But I really believe with all my heart this one verse is exactly how we do it. That is surrender all. Now if you want to get serious with God, He will get serious with you. He says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. When we see the blessings of being free in Jesus, we'll see what it means, and how more intense we'll be about pursuing that freedom. I believe that Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 is sort of a statement of faith for any genuine believer. And the context of that verse, the Apostle Paul was dealing with legalism where the Jews were wanting to go back to the law. He was dealing with the Apostle Peter in this chapter of trying to be two-faced, trying to be a Judaizer and then also comrade with the Gentiles. And then when the Jews came up, he said, I don't have nothing to do with them. Paul called his hand on it. We can't be two-faced and surrender to God. You've got to be honest to God. Because he knows. But oh my goodness, the freedom of opening our hearts to God. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Would you please read that verse aloud with me? You have your Bibles if it's where you can get one. Galatians 2 verse 20. Let's read it together. I want you to take it personally. I really do. Ready? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is a powerful verse. And it's how we surrender to God. Notice it's talking about a man that's dead, but a man that lives. What the fact is, is that we deal with our lives in surrendering. Every Christian in a sense, has a split personality. You know that, don't you? You have a split personality. You have a, a fleshly nature, you still do. And we'll have it till we go to heaven. But we have a spiritual nature. We have a nature that God has given us. We need to be so thankful that God gave us His Spirit. His Holy Spirit dwells in you. Isn't that a blessing? <laughs> that is how you surrender to God. You can't do that in the flesh. I would say that the flesh of man is 
just by nature rebellious and will do anything but surrender to God. Why, if you're honest with yourself and I am mine, we just detest anybody telling us what to do in a sense. We're not going to do it in a way. It's almost like we say, you tell me what you're going to do and I will do the opposite. I wonder sometimes if the best way to deal with us from God's standpoint is to tell us what not to do and we'd probably do it better. That is our nature. But because God loves us, he was not going to leave that nature. He was going to give us his spirit so that we would be able to live not really us living, but Christ living in us. It's not so much our life in Christ, but Christ's life in us that makes the difference, that makes the surrender possible, that makes us surrender the assurance that we need for God. And I pray that, that if anything hanging around in your life, that you would be able to say, God, because of you and me, I can give this up. I can let it go. And I surrender to you, O oh God. I wonder if you could be where you could say, if you were asked the question, let me say it like this, if you could live your life over, and I, I guess this means more to us than a little more years in life, but if you could live your life over, what would you do different? I mean, we need to reflect more. And the things that I would do different, and I bet you too, are the things that I would not want to, that I did not want to surrender to. Then, then what happens when we don't surrender to God, we're led by the devil and by Satan and by the spirit of our natural flesh. But I imagine in our spiritual sense, in Christ living in us, what we would do different, we would love more, wouldn't we? We would love the unlovable more. I think about that every day, and I'm saying this message because the gospel, I'm not going to tell you so much about your sin. You already know that. That's another part of the spirit life in you, but I want to try to tell you about the gospel because that is where we can start today to see the redemptive, wonderful miracle of God's grace that we can start now living the life that we might have regretted we haven't lived so far, to love more, to love even the unlovable, to give more. And all this are the consequences of surrender. You watch it, a person's life that is based on surrender to God and, and, and just a, a heartfelt, genuine desire to love him, because here it is, and I see, you know, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbors yourself, that's what surrendering to Jesus is about. Surrender to him because we love. And that's the only way we can love because love is giving, self-giving. Here's a, a, a definition I found of Christianity that I liked, and I hope you do. It says, Christianity is this. It's freedom from the dark prison of our own self, centeredness, 
into a new life of self-fulfillment through self-forgetful service. That is Christianity. And what the apostle is doing here is, is telling us what true Christianity is. It's living a life crucified with Christ. It's living a life that we're not really living, but Christ is living through us. It is true, my friends, you are, as believers, the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. Know that and appreciate that. It should humble you. It shouldn't make you puffed up. God forbid. God loves us and he gave himself for us. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in these bodies, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's not our faith, it's Jesus' faith that we live by. we got to be reminded that God does not forgive us because we confess our sins. He forgives us because Jesus died on the cross for us. That's why we're forgiven. And remember, he says, who loved me and gave himself for me. So the two focuses of Christianity is grace and the death of Jesus Christ. And that is what surrendering will come from. The death of Jesus and God's grace. Now, I'm going to try to wrap up a series I've been trying to do in free indeed today. And we took that, you remember, from John 8. And he talks about Jesus Christ. If you know the truth, the truth will make you free. If you continue in it as his disciple. So it's a continuation of the truth. As I said, the Apostle Paul is reminding believers, do not let yourself fall back in the bondage of legalism of being dishonest with God and trying to deal with life apart from what God has called us life is about because that is the freest we can get. It's not about whether God could choose or not, whether God could choose sin or not. God's the freest that a being could possibly be. I can't even express the freedom of God. I am that I am, he said. But yet, obviously he would not choose sin, but he's free. Yet we live in a culture that says freedom is doing what you want to do. Freedom is choosing the partner that you want. Freedom is no restraints. Yet, we find just the opposite of what surrender says and what the results are, freedom. So today, I want to talk about the greatest culprit of our freedom at all, of all is ourselves. So I've entitled what I want to try to say in these few minutes, free from me. Now, we have three deals we've got to deal with. Me, myself, and I. That's what I got to deal with in this boy. You got him too, or her. And then we have the greater power of the Holy Trinity of God. 
the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these two will butt hearts a lot. And so free from me. And I want to try to say three things, if God would help. To be free from me. Now when I'm talking about being free from me, as we see, we got two me's. <laughs> we got the redeemed me and we got the unredeemed me. The one we got to be free from is the unredeemed. The old man, so to speak, is dead. That happened when Jesus died on the cross. We were there. Satan doesn't like to remind us of it because that's where he was defeated. So to be free from me is to be free from our old self. To move Randy out of the way is my greatest obstacle every day. And so I want to say three things to be free from me. One, we need to be able to face ourselves. Secondly, we need to find ourselves. And thirdly, we need to forgive ourselves. So when we think about facing ourselves, turn with me to the first chapter of the Apostle James. James, rather, in uh, the first chapter. And let's read a couple of verses there. Would you read with me from the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. It says, verse 22, James 1, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Now I want you to keep in mind, back in John 8, when we dealt with the first series in freedom, indeed, Jesus says, if you continue in my word, ye shall know the truth, and the truth will make you what? Free. This book is a book that will give you freedom. It is not a book to keep you from enjoying life. It is a book to make your life more enjoyable. It will show you that your surrender to it will bless you. You cannot outgive God. When you give your life to God, God will give you much more than you would ever expect in ways you cannot imagine. Okay, Jane says, this word is like a mirror. And then in verse 24, he says, For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, I wanted you to see that with me, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So why I wanted to use that was simply this. If we're going to have to face ourselves, that keeps our focus in the right place. If you're going to be free from the old me, you're going to have to keep your mind and your heart and your thoughts on God's grace. It's not about your badness or your goodness. What matters is Jesus died for you. 
You don't, I mean, you rent it with me. That's what God says in his word from Galatians 2.20. That Jesus gave himself for me. So Jesus gave himself for you to pay your sin debt. To free yourself from me. So that you could be free from me to worship thee. <laughs> that is why you were saved. To worship God. If you look in the mirror, I tried this today. Only by God's grace you can think about it. But think about it as you do. Face yourself. Do you think, is it okay? Are you glad? Let me say it like this. Because you can't have um, be in bondage and be sorrowful, gladness, joy. I mean, even in the midst of tears, we can rejoice in even the sufferings that we go through. But as you look in that mirror, can you gladly say that, that your salvation, now I'm talking to you personally, I'm not talking about your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister, that God saved you to display his glory of his grace, that he saved a sinner like you and me so that Jesus could be glorified, that God's greatest glory, by the way, is the cross of Calvary. I mean, can you say that? Or is it more like, well, I just thought it was to bless me. And it is a blessing, for sure. Or this just keeps me from going to hell, and I don't want to go to hell. None of us do. But that is not the point. The point is, is Jesus your treasure of your heart? Because if he is, you are willing to give up everything for him. And even though we get off track sometimes, God will be in heart pursuit of us because he gave himself for us. He has paid our sin debt. And salvation is sure because of what Christ done on the cross. And we rose again. And he has not given his spirit to you just to be wasted in the world. For what God does one day will be just like the prodigal to you and me. That prodigal wasted his life like many of us do for a portion. But he came to himself, the scripture says, and he faced himself. And he said, you know, in a way, I'm paraphrasing, of course, my father has a place. I'm going to leave these pens of pigs and these unfaithful friends who wanted all they could get out of me. I'm going to my father, and I'm going to be his servant. He didn't go there wanting to reclaim his rights. He says, I'm coming surrendered, O God. My father, that's what the picture is. And he comes there. What did he get? He got a, a welcome that was unrecognized. He got a welcome, a ring on his finger, a robe on, and shoes on his feet because he faced himself. We need to face ourselves and say, O God, I am saved by your grace. I know, Lord, that I could not be saved any other way. And when we see Galatians 2.20, we see that, you know, I got to face myself. I got to understand that I am nothing, that God has given me his spirit, and I don't deserve it. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be free from me because it's not about Randy it's not, the world is not centered around me. 
And it's not centered around you. It's centered around Jesus. And that ought to make it freer for us to be. So we have to face ourselves. And then thirdly, secondly, we have to find ourselves. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. Where in the world is time go? I don't know. Matthew 10, verse 39. I'm talking about finding yourself. You know how you got to find yourself? You got to lose yourself. <laughs> you got to surrender yourself. It's what Jesus says anyway. Verse 39, Matthew 10, and he that taketh, or he that findeth, I was reading 38, 39, 39 says, he that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Now, now that is a sort of a paradox in itself. Isn't it? What is he talking about? He's talking about surrendering all of what we have to God. If you want freedom, to be free from me. What you're going to understand is, you're going to understand who you're going to please. Do you want to please people or you don't please God? Okay? I mean, that's what we got to deal with. I mean, it's almost like the world is saying, God has a wonderful, or wait a minute, God loves you. And people have a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> you know, people do. They will tell you what you need to do. They, they can make you feel guilty. They, they can kind of deal with everything. And make, but you got to say, who are you going to please? Now, you know, we have this deal about what we think are the do's and don'ts. And there's some of them from Scripture that is very clear. But some of them are just traditions. And we got to watch that. Because, you know what, God may be dealing with your life personally different than he is mine. He might. So, so I might not have that liberty, so to speak, that you do. I mean, I, mean, I think about this in, in my personal life. Um, I have a lot of alcoholics in my family. And uh, so I'm not going to drink. I'm just flat not going to do it. Now, it might be all right for you to do it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the scripture says, scripture says doesn't drink, do not drink. It says do it in moderation, okay? But, it, but you're going to have to deal with it. But I'm not the one to lord over you and say do not do it. But, but, you know, you can't look at me and say, well, you're just better than me or act like because I don't, because that's not true. You see what I'm saying? This is the liberty of church and, and people. I mean, a lot of that, you've got to deal with if God says it. Now, he's clear on things like sex and things like uh, marriage and things like um, lying and cheating and stealing and those kind of things. But, but there's places where we need to see the liberty that he's given us to free from me. See, see, it might be something you've been taught all your life that may not be wrong, but it might be a freedom that, that you want to put somebody else in bondage because they're not, they're not doing that like you think it ought to be done. For, for example, we all know that, that being 
committed to God and doing a Bible study or reading God's Word, we all ought to do it. I'll encourage you. But, but I'm not, I'm not to come over you and say, you, you got to do it. What I need to do and what we all need to do is present it in a way that it, you see it as a privilege, as an opportunity. When you walk in these church doors up these steps, it's not that you're coming in here to say, you know, I'm going to get a blessing or, or I'm going to get, um, my crops are going to do better or, or I'm going to get a promotion. Now, all that may happen. But I'm saying you need to say, I'm coming here because God saved me by his grace. I am coming here because I love Jesus, and I want to show that to Jesus. I don't give a rip what anybody else thinks. I come because I'm coming to love my Father and worship him. And that is how I see we saying he died for me, and he lives in me. It's not me that lives. It's God. This is not Randy. It's God. If I say something that is spiritual to you and blesses your heart, you can know it's not from this sinner. It's from God. And you know what? You are dressed just as good as any preacher spiritually. Is any preacher. Because you have been clothed with the blood of Christ's righteousness that he purchased. And what a blessing that is. What a joy that is to rejoice, to find yourself. Sometimes, you know what? We have to lose everything we got to find God. That's true. But that's not a bad deal. You hear me? You lose everything you have, and you just, you and God, man, that's the best place you can be. That is a surrender that only God can give you. That young rich lawyer had everything, you remember? But he said, how, Jesus, can I get eternal life? And Jesus says, keep the commandments. He had no problem with that. But when he got to the point, sell everything you got. Give to the poor and come and follow me. And the scripture says the young man walked away sorrowful because he had a lot. And it's not so much how much you have. It's not how much money you have, but it's how much has you, okay? Has those things got you or has Jesus? I mean, that is the point. If you want to be free from me, no, I'm not saying that Jesus said go sell it on get the book, but you be willing to. You be willing to do without it if God calls you to. That it's not something you worship, but that you give it. If you find, want to find yourself, you're going to lose yourself. Because what happens there is just when you love. You love. And love is giving. It's being submission. You know, when we're submissive to God, we're under God's protection. In a like way, that's how our government is. That's why in Romans 13, we're, we're to be submissive to authorities. Now that has a limit, that's for sure. It's just like husbands and wives and children and parents. But, but you look at our world today. I mean, this call from the liberal side to just do away with law enforcement. You know what? That law is, the judicial system is to protect the citizens. 
So you take that away and say, well, you know, I want to be free. What do you end up with? Rights, theft, crime rate. Why does not our government listen to God? God says there's penalties for doing wrong. There's consequences. And yet that is the greatest freedom that we have. And then lastly, and I'll go quickly, you got to forgive yourself if you want to free yourself. Certainly we need to forgive others. Don't let bitterness hang around your life. I mean, people can do you wrong. That happens. But if you let that stuff grow in your heart, I mean, you're the loser on that. If you, you're not ever going to be free from me if you're going to carry around some sort of grudge. You take that straight to the cross of Calvary and you give it to Jesus because God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And God forbid you don't blame God. <laughs> yeah, we have a natural tendency. I don't know why things happen. You know, I, I, I know, you know, I got a few trees. I was thinking the other day. And if, if, I, if you ride by my little place and you see a logger out there cutting down trees, you can't say a thing about it. Because they're, they're mine. Right? When, when, when we see people in our lives and God cuts us down and we say, well, God, I don't understand it. I want you to know that you're God's. It's all God's. In every track of timber I've ever been involved in in my little forestry career, and when the timber was sold, you had to do a title check. And when that title was clear, it was free to do what you wanted, and your title is clear because God has wiped away every sin that you've ever committed or ever will. And your slate is clear. So then forgive yourself. Now, I do a lot of things I never wish I'd have done. I regret, but if I'm going to hang around and be, let that put me down, I tell you, I'd never come in this place again. But if Jesus forgave me, that's what he said in Galatians 2.20. And I don't forgive me. <laughs> now, isn't that silly? You forgive yourself because I'm going to tell you the God we serve. He can take a mess and make it beautiful. He can take your grossest mistake and sin and build a platform of testimony to praise his holy name. He's done that all over this book, and he'll do it again. And maybe he's doing it in your life right now. So you can be free. If you want to be. Do you want to be? That's the question. This book keeps you free. See, Adam and Eve thought the leaves would free them. Works. I'm going to get good enough. But when God came around calling them, they started hiding. Wherefore art thou, Adam? God said. But when God closed them, the first blood indicates of the blood covenant when he took an animal skin, which obviously required blood to be shed, and he clothed them. And he gave them the freedom, though they didn't stay in the garden, but they had the freedom of God. 
And that's what God has done for us. He has clothed us through the blood of Jesus because he has given us his righteousness. He that knew no sin became sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In other words, he became sin for us that we might be free. Free from me. And when we're free from me, people recognize. That is the joy. I'll tell you, that is the springboard, I believe, for evangelists. May the Lord bless us to be free. Because Christ has made us free. Let's have a prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for the blessings, the joy of salvation. It's such a radical change for us, Lord, and we all fall back into that bondage of, well, you know Randy did this. Randy thought that. Randy didn't do this. Oh, Lord, regrets could just pile up and we wouldn't have any room to receive your blessings. Forgive us, Lord, for having pity parties. Free us, O oh God, from anything that would come between us and you, even our own selves, and particularly that. For we have, and only we, have control over how we think and what we do. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us and bless us for Christ's sake. We thank you, Lord, for giving us the freedom from our own selves. And for giving us a bondage that's even greater and freer, that is to Jesus Christ. We are your slaves, God. And that's how we become free. Slaves to righteousness. Thank you for loving us that much. And help us share our freedom with one another. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.